Now, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We are going to cover verses 30 and 31 today. I want to say to you, it's great to be back with you after a couple of Sundays of not preaching. Be warned, this might take longer than usual. I've got a lot saved up this morning. Hebrews chapter 11, and really the whole book of Hebrews, has been telling us that Jesus is better. And because Jesus is better than all the false saviors that are out there, then we've got to keep trusting in Jesus. Jesus is not like the fidget spinner. You remember the fidget spinner? It was, it was a fad for five minutes and then it was gone and then we moved on to the next fad. Jesus is not a fad. He's faithful. You've got to stay with Him to the end. Those who endure and persevere by faith are those who are truly saved. So for those who belong to Jesus, we know that the war has been won in Christ, but His victory only belongs to those who have saving faith, which is a persevering, enduring faith. It endures all the way until the time that we pass away or He calls us home. Did you know that the word endurance implies adversity? You wouldn't really need to endure if you weren't going to face adversity. We should expect challenging seasons in our life. Saving faith is faith that keeps on going with Jesus and for Jesus by waiting on the Lord and walking in His way. At the end of chapter 10, we're called to enduring faith. And then in chapter 11, we get all these many examples of what enduring or saving faith looks like. And now we find ourselves in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 30 through 31. You say, this is only two verses. It's going to take like five minutes. It's two verses, but it's two very significant stories in the Old Testament that are covered in the early, from the early chapters of Joshua. Would you hear with me the word? of the Lord. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. Would you bow with me? God, show us this morning, show us this morning how to participate in your victory as we surrender to you. God, show us how to keep our eyes fixed on the finish line and not to be derailed by the things that we face on the journey. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. I want to show you two things this morning. First, to have part in the Lord's victory. The first thing we have to do is recognize that the the Lord is going to give the victory, that the Lord has won. And so we've, we've got to wait. We've got to wait on the Lord's victory as we walk in His way. He's already accomplished what is necessary at Calvary to win, but we await His return. And as we await His return and the proof of the victory, we must walk in His way. We see that in verse 30. Throughout the book of Hebrews, we've been seeing that the world is not kind to those who are on what I like to call Team Jesus. Soon the prince of the world is going to be cast out, Jesus says in John 12, 31. But for now, Satan wants us to falter and to fail before we reach the finish line. Satan wants you to stop fighting your sin. He wants you to give in to the world and despair and depression. He wants you to leave Jesus and lose your soul. In this battle, the world has all sorts of strategies to take us out of the race. The world will mock you. The world will promise to embrace you and make you a hero 
if you'll just throw away faithfulness to Christ and embrace the world. And it's happening far too often. I'm broken this morning for those who are abandoning Jesus. They only end up more broken. Did you know the world always overpromises and underdelivers? They will tell you, look, you're going to be our best friend. We're going to make you a hero. If you'll just run away from Jesus and run towards sin, we will celebrate you. We will applaud you. You will be the next hero. And you will be for five minutes. And then they'll drop you like a bad habit and move on to their next victim. Meanwhile, in the church, there are people who are quietly, not loudly, not brashly, praying that God would send the Holy Spirit to chase them down and rescue their lives. The world never publishes the stories of despair in the lives of those who run away from Christ. But for all the strategies of the world, the persecution, the insults, the shaming, the shunning, and now as we've seen recently, the cancel culture, none of these things can rob you of the victory that belongs to those who go the distance with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the lesson of verse 30. Don't give up. Don't stop. Keep walking. Waiting on the Lord's victory. The Israelites walked around Jericho for seven days before the walls came down. The Lord could have taken those walls down, by the way, in an instant. Did you know He could also return to this world and take out the kings of all the nations in a moment? And one day He will. But for now, we wait. Jesus, the Lord, as the Israelites marched around Jericho, was looking for the sort of faith that waits upon Him. A faith that trusts in His timing and in His plan. Did you know waiting is not new to the people of God? Faith implies waiting. After 40 years in the wilderness, and after Moses' death, Joshua is raised up to lead the Israelites into the land of Canaan. They cross the Jordan and Jericho, this big fortified city, stands before them. And the Lord gives Joshua the battle instructions. I picture Joshua with his iPhone. He gets his little notes app out. All right, Lord, I'm ready. And the Lord says to Joshua, okay, I want you to get all the men of war. All right, hold on just a second, Lord. Men of war, check. What else? What else do you? What do you? What else do you want us to bring to the table, Lord? You want? You want some swords? You want some battle armor? You want some horses? What else do you need us to bring to this battle, Lord? And the Lord says, just just bring the men of war. Have them walk around the city one time a day for six days, while seven priests march and play seven trumpets before the ark of the Lord. Just. Take the men of of war, take the presence of God, and wait on me. Now this isn't in the text, but I I can imagine Joshua saying to the Lord, okay, is is there anything else that you need me to bring, God? Any any super special strategy? Anything impressive that you want us to do? And the Lord says, no, don't need anything from you. Just, Just do the exact same thing six days in a row. And then on the seventh day, do it seven times. And then on that seventh time around the city, when the trumpets blast, command the people to shout. And do you remember what happened? They did what God said. And then Joshua 6.20 says, the wall fell down flat. So the people went up into the city, every man straight ahead, and they took the city. The true people of 
the Lord. Did you know today, if you're in Christ, if you're walking for Him, if you're obeying Him and praying consistent with His will and living consistent with His will, even though it looks like the walls are still standing and nothing's happening, did you know you're walking in His victory? That one day it will be plain to see when Christ returns all along who the people of God are, who have been waiting and walking in the way of God. Like the Israelites, we are waiting for fortified nations in this world to be toppled when our King comes in victory. Like the Israelites, the only guarantee that we have, that we're not crazy in this world for gathering in a sanctuary in the middle of COVID-19 to hear the Word of God. How do we know we're not crazy? Because God has spoken in His Word. He is the one that wins. The Lord's victory belongs then to those who wait on Him as they walk together according to His plan. Waiting. I hate waiting. My beautiful bride enjoys Disney World. But I don't like the waiting. Fast passes. Fast passes are nice, but they're limited. And then you're fast passing some kiddie ride that's pointless and you want to get on the big roller coaster. And five minutes waiting on this roller coaster, you ask yourself, is this going to be worth the next three hours of sweating in the mid-July heat here at Disney World? And then 55 minutes later, I realized I should have listened to myself after I was in line for five minutes, gotten out of line and gotten a Dole Whip and called it a day. We don't like waiting, do we? But when it comes to following Jesus, there are no fast passes. There are no alternatives to patient reliance on God. We must wait upon the Lord. We must trust in Him to give us His victory and His presence forevermore. Faith, by definition, means waiting. And it often means waiting through conditions that seem inconsistent with our expectations. But I'm on the Lord's team. What, why, is, why is my life going crazy right now? Why are things difficult at work? Why are things difficult in my family? Why, why does my son or daughter have this disease? Why is my mom going through this? Why in the world are all these things happening around me? And if we're not careful, we can forget that victory is on the way when Christ returns. And we can quit the race before victory comes. Psalm 37, 34, David says, Wait for the Lord. And keep His way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. There's coming a day when the adversity of this world and the mocking of this world and the the rebuke of this world against the people of God will disappear. It will be vanquished in a moment when Christ returns in victory. You see, some people aren't giving up on Jesus because of persecution or pressure. They're just giving up because they're impatient. They've stopped waiting on the Lord. You see, following Jesus humbly and quietly for many is just not glamorous enough. There's not enough victory right now. There's not enough tokens in our bag. There's not enough little pats on the back for those who follow Jesus right now. But the Lord doesn't measure success the way the world does. The Lord does not see as the world sees. We want results right now. But as Mark Dever says, in this life, victory often looks like endurance. 
You see, if we were to chart the progress of the Israelites in the week leading up to the fall of the walls of Jericho, they would look like a failure all the way up until the walls fell. On day one, you put it on a spreadsheet. Well, we marched around the city. What happened to the wall? Nothing. No progress. Day two, we marched around the wall. What happened? Nothing. Zero progress. Day three, four, five, six, seven. Seven times around the wall in the seventh day. And if you were to chart it on a spreadsheet, nothing is happening. You people are crazy. If we were to chart the blisters on the feet of the Israelites against the damage made to the wall right up before the moment that they shouted, nothing would have happened. And you would have said, this is a colossal failure. God doesn't measure the way the world measures. Our flesh wants bigger, faster, higher, stronger right now. But that is not how God usually works. He works through the patient, persistent followership offered in faith by His people. He is working right now even though you don't see it. Those who keep praying, who keep following, who keep loving, who keep serving and sharing the Gospel, they are on a team that will not fail even though the spreadsheet says otherwise. Notice how the walls come down. They fall by faith. A faith that did not give up on God's plan. They, they didn't just sit on their hands and say, we're waiting on the Lord, we're doing nothing. No, they did what God said. They walked around the wall. The priests blew their trumpets. The men of war walked. And the people carrying the ark kept carrying the ark. And then on the seventh day, it was not the sound of their shout that took the walls down. It was not their brilliance or their innovation or their master plan. It was the Lord working through their patient faith that brought the walls down. And guess what? God had kept His promise to Joshua. Before God ever gave the plan for battle, He had said, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. So church, let me remind you that on the days that walking with the Lord seems too difficult or makes little sense, don't forget the message of Hebrews 11.30. Keep waiting. Keep walking. The Lord is winning. John Ortberg said this, Your heart is revealed and your character is forged when life does not turn out as you had planned. Church, don't give up on the Lord and His plan just because your life isn't going as you had planned. Don't try to be your own Savior. Keep waiting and watching for the return of Jesus. Keep walking in His ways no matter how unusual or ineffective they may seem at the present so what does it mean to walk in the way of the Lord? Well, we've got the New Testament, and it tells us very clearly that we should be a people who are being, building, and bolstering our local church in the way that the Bible commands. We should pray without ceasing. We should be supernaturally generous. We should reach out to our neighbors and our enemies with no expectation they will ever return the favor. We should turn the other cheek. We should walk in love toward one another just as Christ also loved us and gave Himself up for us. We should serve one another with gladness. 
We should let no rotten word proceed from our mouth, but only such is a word that is good for building up the body. We should be angry and not sin. We should pray for our governing authorities. We should humbly and supportively follow our spiritual leaders. We should be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. We should confess our sins to one another. We should pray, follow Jesus, share the gospel, endure by patient, obedient faith, no matter how crazy these things things seem to the watching world the people who are doing these things for the glory of Christ are winning wait on God walk in his way know his victory from the cross Jesus said it is finished the victory that you need today and always is found in Christ Paul tells us that God always leads those who are in Christ in triumph. You say, I don't feel very victorious right now. Just keep walking in His way. I feel defeated right now. Just keep walking in His way. Keep praying according to His will. Keep begging that Christ would make you more like Jesus. And the people that you love that are far from Christ, that He would bring them into the fold. Don't give up. Jesus is winning. His triumph does not come in the ways that the world expects. They're unseen to the world. He doesn't win when we win a Facebook argument. He's not winning because we're the top of our class. We don't win because we blast our political opponents or have the upper hand in our culture. We win differently. We win when we walk by faith, even when it seems like nothing good is going on. God isn't looking for superstars in the kingdom. He's looking for humble, faithful followers. People who will deny themselves, take up their cross, reject sin, follow Him, and march in and toward His victory together. But what if you hear this message and you say, that's not me. I've heard the message of the gospel. I've heard what Jesus has done, but I'm not living in His victory. I'm not actually on Jesus' team. I'm not with the people walking around the city. I'm in the city that needs to be overcome by the people of God. I'm in the world. I'm not on that team, so, so pastor, how could I get on to the team that marches in victory? This unseen victory that's going to be revealed when Jesus returns. I want to be on that team. How do I get on that team? That's a great question. I'm so glad you asked it. The second thing we've got to do, and it's counterintuitive, it it doesn't seem to make sense. In order to participate in God's victory, we've got to surrender to the Lord and embrace His people. You see, in that city called Jericho, that was fortified with these walls that fell down on the seventh day as the people of Israel went in and decimated the place. In that city, there was a woman named Rahab. And we read about her in verse 31. By faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. You remember Rahab, right? Before the Israelites even crossed the Jordan River, Joseph sends some spies into Jericho and they end up at Rahab's house. And when the king of Jericho finds out that Rahab has the spies at her house, he sends some emissaries to find out what's going on. And rather than give up the spies, she hides the spies and said that they had escaped when they had not. But why did she do this? She risked her life in order to protect 
the spies from Israel. She welcomed them in peace rather than have them killed. Why in the world did she do that? And the answer that we read in verse 31 is because she wanted to live rather than to die. She feared the people of God and the God of those people more than she feared the king of her own city. And that's what it's going to take for you to leave the world and to enter the kingdom of God is you're going to have to fear the one true God more than you fear all the voices and all the people around you saying that God doesn't mean anything, that God doesn't matter, that God's not going to win. Until you surrender to the God that you've heard about but not yet seen, you will not know victory. Do you see that in verse 31? Although the way she supported herself She was a woman of the night. She did not perish. She didn't perish with the other sinners in her city. She wanted to escape the the dark and sinful deadness of her profession and of her life. So she welcomed the spies who were allied with the one true God with the hope that she could change sides. Did you know you can change sides? You can leave the darkness and run into the light. You can leave the world and enter into the kingdom of God if you'll surrender and give up on trying to save yourself and surrender to the only God who saves. You see, church, we all worship something. If we're not Jesus worshipers, we are idolaters. The Old Testament calls idolaters oftentimes unfaithful wives, people who cheat on God. You see, lady, uh, excuse me, Rahab was a harlot a prostitute, a woman of the night. She had never known loyalty, faithfulness, and love. She had wrecked marriages. Her life was a series of broken promises and lurid lies. The world Rahab lived in would use her. Think about that. The world that she lived in would use her as long as she was useful, and then it would leave her alone to die. If you're in the world, the world will use you and use you and use you and use you and then you will die separated from God. No love, no loyalty, no lasting purpose. Her illegitimate profession and the hopelessness that came with it is a picture of all of us apart from Jesus. There's only one God who saves. His name is Yeshua. It is Jesus. It is salvation. Turn to Jesus and be saved. Turn to any other Savior and you will die. You will perish with everyone else in the city. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10, Paul reminds us that sin brings separation from God. He says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. That's all of us. We're all minimally an idolater before we come to Jesus. We all worship something other than the one true God. And Rahab fell in many of these categories. And yet Rahab does enter the kingdom of God. And she enters the kingdom of God because she counts, her, she counts the one true God as greater than the city in which she lived. The story of Rahab is proof. That God can change your destiny in a moment. Rahab did not perish with the disobedient because God changed her heart and then she changed sides. She joined Team Jesus by welcoming 
the spies. At great risk to her own life, she sided with God's people. And it will cost you something in this world to side with God. It will cost you something. People will wonder about you. They will wonder why you stopped doing what you were doing. Suddenly we can't go to Rahab's house and have the fun that we had anymore. What's going on with Rahab? What's wrong with Rahab? Whose side is she on? The world will mock you. They will question you. But you will be on the team that wins if you give it all up and go to Jesus. After Rahab had hidden the spies on a roof and diverted the search party, that wanted to kill them, she said to the spies, she goes up on the roof and she goes, do you want to know why I hid you here? It's not about how good you are. It's about how great your God is. Because I heard what your God did for you. While we were here in Jericho, we heard about your God, that He split the Red Sea and brought you out of Egypt after slavery for 400 years. He just split the sea and you walked across it. We heard about the other kings that you have conquered. We heard about your God's power. And then she says this, Therefore, please swear to me by the Lord, since I have dealt kindly with you, that you will be kind to me and my father's household and give me a pledge of truth and spare my father and mother and brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And the spies agree and they give her a scarlet cord and say, tie it in your window. And when we run through, when the judgment of God sweeps through this city, anybody that comes to your home and is protected, as indicated by the scarlet cord tied in the window, we will not kill them. But if they come out of your house, the blood will be on their own head. By faith, Rahab tied that thread in her window, and she waited. And she waited. She waited. The people of God marched around the city on day one, day two, Day three, day six, day seven. And while they were walking around the city waiting on the Lord, she was patiently waiting in her home. And the only difference between her home and every other home in the city was a scarlet thread. It wasn't that she was better than anyone else. It wasn't that she had sinned less than anyone else. She would probably tell you she was the greatest sinner in the city. A harlot. But unlike everyone else in the city, she didn't just hear about God. She surrendered to God. She said, whatever it costs me, I'll take the scarlet, I'll take the scarlet cord and I'll put it in my window and I'll wait on the victory of God. She didn't stop with hearing about God. She recognized she deserved God's judgment. And she threw herself on His mercy and surrendered to a God she had never seen. And when the people of God marched through that city, they saw the scarlet thread. And Joshua tells us that everyone in her household was saved. And as we go on to read the account of Joshua, we find that Rahab ends up becoming essentially an Israelite. And if you read Matthew chapter 1, what you'll find out is she is a mother in the genealogy of Jesus. She began as Rahab the harlot. And she ended 
as a great, 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 great grandmother of the living Lord Jesus Christ. Is the scarlet blood of Jesus painted over your heart? When Jesus returns in victory, will you be covered by His blood? If you know Jesus, the Savior, then let's get busy being like Rahab, getting others to Him. You see, she became a part of the story of salvation. And if you're covered by the blood of Jesus, then your job from now until Jesus comes is to wait on the Lord, to walk on His victory, and get as many people to know Him as you possibly can. But I'm here to tell you, if you're not covered by the scarlet blood of Jesus, when He comes, it'll be too late. But until He comes, He offers any who will turn from their sin and trust in Him salvation and joy in His victory. Surrender now before it's too late. And then serve in the victory of Jesus until He comes. Are you covered by the scarlet blood of Jesus Christ? Would you pray with me? King Jesus, we love You. We confess, God, that it's easy to grow impatient. It's easy to search for quick answers and quick solutions. It's easy to settle for victory on the world's terms rather than victory as you've given and defined it. And so God, as your church, we pray in this season of waiting for whatever new normal is going to look like. We pray, God, in Jesus' name that you would find us faithful. God, that you would find us still serving, still praying, still giving, still yearning for the inbreaking of your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. God, that we would be slow to anger and quick to love and quick to forgive, quick to heal, not in our own strength and our own power, but by your Holy Spirit. God, we want to walk in your way. When Jesus returns, we want you to find us being faithful. And God, for the one who's here in this sanctuary or the one who's listening by way of live stream or the one who might listen to this video recording years from now, God, we pray in Jesus' name that if they are not covered by the scarlet shed blood of Jesus on their behalf, God, if, they, if they're still headed to, to die with the disobedient, that today, God, they would change sides, that they would change categories, that they would no longer be unfaithful, sinful idolaters, but God, you would change their heart and they would learn to worship Christ in spirit and truth and to follow Him all the days of their life. God, if there's even just one, let today be the day of salvation, of surrender to Christ, and then walking in His victory forevermore. We ask it in Jesus' name as we stand and we sing. Amen.